Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. Bible Bistro. Oh, I'm sorry. We're supposed to do the tagline. I keep forgetting. Or Bible Bistro. You need to write that. If you can get me the musical notation, we might be able to do that. <laughs> if I go Bible Bistro. No, I don't like that. Bible Bistro. Bible, Bible Bistro. No. So... Anyway, Fine. it's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to be back in the bistro. It is. Yes, it is good to be back. Any, any bistro. You know what I always say. Any bistro day is a good day. <laughs> I know what you usually say. I'm not sure. I was waiting to see if you could actually recall what you usually say. I usually say, this is the podcast all about things. That, <laughs> this is a podcast all about things. The Bible, theology, and all things relating to the Christian. To the Christian yes, that's usually what happens. But that's what this podcast is yeah. about. It's all about the Bible the, and theology <laughs> and all things related to Christian life. Yeah. yeah, so we're back. And so today I'm here, but yeah. I am not here. Because of the magic of podcasts. Because of the magic of podcasts, also yeah, this called is pre-recording. A, and this is, re, this is seriously really exciting stuff. Yes. So we did, mentioned before that you're going to be traveling to Egypt. Yes. Uh, so this will be released September this today. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this on the Tuesday, it's released. I mean, if you don't listen on release day, are you even real? Well, I mean, not one of the faithful 50. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I am coming back from Egypt today yeah. on September 18th. Right. Barring any unforeseen incidents. No. Uh, so if I'll, not, we won't release this episode. Yeah. Well, you can release it posthumous. Is that what you say? Anyway. And we'll have a in memoriam at the in end. Memoriam <laughs> of the one other guy on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I'm coming back from Egypt. So um, the previous two weeks, yeah. I have been in Egypt for a week and in Jordan. And we've been exploring... Um, Egypt, like what the Exodus would have been like, what the Israelites would have experienced. Again, you know, obviously it's modern Egypt, um, but looking at what's what life would have been like back then. I'm very excited for you. That's going to be a great trip. And so next week... Yes, in, the twenty fifth podcast time. In podcast time, then you're going to talk about your trip some and talk about some of your experiences, and I'm really looking forward to that. It should be really yeah, we're spending, good. That should be a do, that's a do not miss episode. As yes, I like to call we're, them. I, we're going to spend. We're hiking up in the day, and wow. we're going to spend the night on Mount Sinai or Mount uh, Sinai. I would pronounce it Sinai, on, but but you are Southern Indiana, so anyway, <laughs> which means we can talk any way we want to. That's. <laughs> That's right, but I'm, we're hiking up and we're spending the night. We're gonna be filming as the sun goes down, oh, that's and then we get up early as the sun comes that's, up. So you're gonna spend the night on Mount Sinai. Yes. You know, Moses did that for forty days. Yeah. I wonder if you'll see any. And he had fifteen commandments, and he came down and saw the golden calf. And <laughs> no, oh, I think ten. that's the wrong movie. Uh, <laughs> the uh, so you will be. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, this. I'm really excited. You'll have all sorts of interesting experiences to talk about. So yeah. make sure to take good notes and oh, yeah. and think about. You know, yeah, we, all it, these we there's a lot of we're doing a lot of work. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's part of right. the trip. But I'm taking a lot of notes, and I'm going to take some photos as well. Just yeah. we're going to see uh, the Temple of Karnak in wow. Egypt. Right. You know, so um, Karnak the Great. <laughs> this is not a Johnny Carson. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Holding the envelope on his head. No. Uh, so we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna get. We're gonna sail down the Nile. Well, he was Karnak the Magnificent. Anyway, I don't know. Ahead. I don't know. Sail down the Nile on a boat. Like, on a boat. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm what, on a boat. What, wait, what kind of boat is it? It's a. Uh, it's a. I think it's called a, a flucka. Okay, and it's a, it's a it's traditional like a, a traditional Egyptian boat. I. Uh, yes. 
Yes, wow. is the answer. So we'll be it's down exciting. the Nile. We're and gonna, you're going to Jordan, too. We're going correct? to Jordan as well. Yes. So okay. we're going to... Uh, and spend some... Go ahead. Yeah, we're gonna go to the. I don't Red, want to give it all away. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see, we're gonna see the Red Sea. We're gonna go That's to cool. uh, Wadi Rum. We're gonna see the wilderness yeah. they would have gone through. Cool. We're trying to, um, and it might be for a separate thing. We're gonna try to get into Petra and film wow. a little bit in Petra, and we're gonna go to Mount Nebo where Moses right. would have Deuteronomy, looked, whole book of Deuteronomy, yeah, looked yeah. at the Promised Land yeah. uh, that he didn't get to go into, but yeah. uh, got to lead him into. So it's cool. I'm on my way back as this is being. Right, you're on the flight. So to broadcast. Speak. Hopefully, I will be landing very soon. Okay. I will be tired. All yes. right. Yeah, I'm sure. It should be a long. Be, I'm excited for you. That's yeah, going to be absolutely. a really great trip. So I thought today we would talk about the Exodus, kind of prepare you a little yeah. bit for the trip. And <laughs> I'm so glad I had never. I've never read it. <laughs> well, I know you have. Without you, Brian. There are. Oh come on! There's some interesting things about it, though. I think that uh, that we don't often think about, but you know the story of the Exodus. Of course, the the Joseph's family went down into a part of Egypt. They settled in the land of Goshen, but then after a period of time, Exodus begins by saying that Exodus chapter one says after a period of time that a Pharaoh rose who no longer no longer knew Joseph. Of course, remember Joseph had done lots on behalf of Egypt mm-hmm. uh, because he had had this dream. Uh, yeah. A couple of dreams and uh, had helped not only, well, I should say he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, but then he also was able to um, help Egypt prepare for the years of famine they were going to experience. So he helped Egypt really become a powerful force in, mm-hmm. in this period of time. But then it says a Pharaoh arose who did no, no longer know Joseph. We probably think this was a change in, in dynasty from one family to the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then the Israelites, the, the descendants of Jacob, became slaves in Egypt for a period of time, 400 years or so. And so so that's that's the period of time we're in. And then, of course, God eventually raised up this um, uh, leader, a very important leader. You know, the, the, we call him the lawgiver, um, you know, one of the most significant, significant characters in the Old Testament, Moses. Right. Um, now, I was going to tell you a couple of things about Moses I think is interesting because you, you remember what happened is um, the Israelites were becoming very numerous. Uh, the, the Egyptians were afraid that they were going to either uh, fight against them. If if some enemy were to attack, it would weaken them from within. But it's it's a kind of a sad thing. But they were really wanting to maintain the workforce that they had to be to be in slavery. But they didn't want to let them to have a military power and presence. And so they commanded that all the male children should be killed. All the mm-hmm. female children were allowed to be be left alive, and the male children would be killed. Uh, you remember at first the midwives wouldn't do this, but finally the command was Pharaoh said, "Well, if you find any of these children, they'd be thrown into the Nile." Now, now, there's a couple of things there. And of course, the Nile was an important, uh, is continues to be an important part of, of Egypt. If, right. you, if you look at a map of Egypt, I'll encourage you to do this. Look at look at from above, maybe a photo from a satellite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all the tributaries of the Nile and the, what we call the Nile Delta region. Uh, it, it's a very, it's, it's green. Yeah, it's it's in people don't think of that. Egypt they think of desert and that kind of stuff. But it's it's actually the breadbasket of of this part of the world, especially in this period of time. And so the Nile was worshipped as a god, and that's something we get to in just a minute. Is is Egypt's religious system? It's a polytheistic religion, which mm-hmm. means um, that they they worship many gods. But the Nile was really worshipped during this period of time, and so these babies being thrown into the Nile, it, we have other examples of this where it was seen as sacrifice or something along those lines. Um, but there was this child born to two Levite 
parents. So these are two people from who are descended from Jacob's son Levi, um, uh, and and this man and this woman have this this child. So he's he's fully a Levite, right? Full full mm-hmm. from the tribe of Levi, and in order to protect him. Uh, what they do is they place him in this basket. Now, it's not the way we'd see it depicted in movies like The Prince of Egypt or whatever, but um, actually this young child's sister, whose name's Miriam, is sent by her mother to go down and watch and and to see what happens. And so they kind of place it, and I think they intentionally do this. The scripture doesn't necessarily say this, but I think they intentionally place the, the basket in a place where Pharaoh's daughter, it says it's a place where Pharaoh's daughter would come down in the morning to wash in the Nile. There, there are these uh, ceremonial ablutions that they would do, these ceremonial washings that they would do in the morning. And, and so when she comes down, she finds this, this baby. So look at this is in Exodus chapter 2. Uh, starting in verse 5. I'll go ahead and read this because there's a couple of interesting things here, I think. Then, um, this got it? Exodus 2, yeah. 5. Mm-hmm. Exodus chapter 2, verse 5. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. So she know she she knew who he was. Right. Then his sister, so this is Miriam, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? This is something a lot of people don't realize because again they they're going by the movies like ten commandments or prince of egypt or whatever but moses is able to go back to his mother's house and actually yeah nurse actually until the time that he's weaned lives with his mother and father so yes go so the girl went got the baby's mother pharaoh's daughter said to her take this baby nurse him for me and i'll pay you so the woman took the baby and nursed him when the child grew older she took him to pharaoh's daughter and he became her son so it's not immediately and basically what happens is the pharaoh's daughter then protects this child. But now I want you to notice the rest of this verse. This is really what I was getting at. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, that name Moses is pretty interesting. I drew him out. Um, and literally, it, it is the, well, I shouldn't say literally. It's a figurative way, actually, to talk about birth. To, to, if you think about a child being born, they're drawn out from from their mother, right? So, mm-hmm. so this idea of drawing him out of the Nile I I wonder, it's almost, and again, speculation, but I need to be careful here, but I drew him out of the Nile, almost like born of the Nile. You know, mm. and there's a way in which Moses was born of the Nile. Now, here's here's the thing, again, we we sometimes miss, is Moses, or Moshe, was, was a pretty common pharaonic name, a name that pharaohs had, um, if you really? think about it. So it's, what are some of your f- most famous pharaohs? Name, name a pharaoh, any pharaoh. Ramses. Ramses. So he is... So what was uh, see the MSS there, Miss Mises, mm-hmm. which means to be drawn out or to be born of, but he's born of Ray. Oh. And who's Ray? Or Sun God. Sun God. Yeah. Not Ray Charles, but the um, <laughs> famous piano player. <laughs> Ray so he was he was born of Ray. And, and of course Ramses, one of the things we know about Ramses the Great, uh, is, is what he's often called. He's he's one of the possible pharaohs of the of the Exodus. And I don't want to necessarily get into the dating of it right here in this time. Although it's an interesting concept and an interesting idea. But um but he was one who actually made uh, Ramses was one who made Ray a central part of the worship. The sun god became a central part of the Egyptian religion during that period of time. But you see what I'm saying? He's saying, I'm born of Ray. I'm the son of Ray mm-hmm. is kind of the idea. Now, I, I since he's one of the possible pharaohs of the Exodus, we say. Who, who's another one? Do you know any others that are? I don't. Okay. So there's another one whose name is Thutmosis III. 
that you see that name there again, Moses, Moses. Thut. Um, or Thut is the is the idea of the sky god. So born again, born of Thut. So so here's the, here's the interesting thing: we don't think of this often, but Moses is a is a very good name. Why, is, why isn't he called Nile Moses? I I think he may have been, and and again, that's, oh, really? that's speculation. So you get what I'm saying: born of the Nile, right? Uh-huh. So he was he's he, I I drew him out from the Nile, so I'm going to call him Moses. But then, you know, we just shorten it and we end, end up with Moshe because, of course, later on he's not a he's not a uh, a polytheist. He, he he doesn't accept the Egyptian religion, right? And yeah. eventually, the the cr- true God, the Creator God, appears to him, and we know that whole story um, in the form of a burning bush and speaks to him. And and actually, you know, one of the significant things about Moses is he says, "Well, what's your name?" <laughs> which is which is a good question if you've been related if you've been raised in a polytheistic culture, right? Which God shall I say has sent me? And of course, God says, "Well, you tell him I am." You know, tell them, tell them, hmm. uh, I am yeah. has sent me. So, so just something to think about there. And that's really what I wanted to kind of focus on. There's lots of ways we can talk about the Exodus, but most people who study this say that, that of course, we know the plagues. Yes. When God sends Moses down, he gives him these, first of all, he gives him some miracles. He's going to show Pharaoh to show God's ability. He's, you remember, he puts his hand in his, his, comes uh, out, comes out leprous. He puts mm-hmm. it back in. It's like a baby's skin and, uh, has this staff. You remember? It turns into a serpent. And he throws it down. And, and, and so here's what we don't often think of, but most people understand. And the scriptures actually give us a couple of hints of this, that all of this is really a, in a way, a battle between the true God and the false gods of Egypt. And I'm going to show you in Scripture where it says this. Look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12. Now, this is skipping ahead a little bit, and we're going to come back and look at some other stuff. But in Exodus chapter 12, we're looking at the preparations for Passover. And, of course, the very the very last of the ten plagues is the death of the firstborn. But it's connected with this idea of the Passover feast. But look at what it says here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. Go ahead and read that for me. And this uh, is interesting. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Go ahead and finish it. Yeah. Uh, I am the Lord. Okay, so you get what I'm saying. He's saying, I'm bringing judgment on the gods of Egypt. And he says, I am. And in our scriptures, it says, Lord, but that's all capitals. And I don't know if we've talked about this before yeah. on here or not, but that that's the name we often pronounce. We don't know how it's pronounced, but we pronounce Yahweh. Mm-hmm. This is God's covenant name, we say sometimes, that God revealed to Moses when he said to him, who shall I say, send him? When you, you tell him, I am. Yahweh has sent you. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I am Yahweh. I'm bringing judgment on all the gods of Egypt. In other words, the true God is showing his power over the gods of Egypt and the things that that the Egyptians worshiped them for. So if you think about the 10 plagues, I think we see this. What, what You remember the first plague? Well, uh, let me actually go back before I say that, because when Moses appears before Pharaoh, there are other people there. Uh, do you remember the Egyptian magicians that are oh, there? Yes. And so not only does Moses cast down his staff and it becomes a snake, but they cast down theirs. And it, becomes- it says, it says by their secret arts or by their magic arts, they do the same thing. But then Moses's snake eats their snakes. And, and even in that first kind of 
I don't know how you want to say it, that sparring match in the beginning of this battle, mm-hmm. God is shown to be superior to the to the Egyptian magicians. There's kind of an pro- interesting progression because initially, the first couple of plagues, the Egyptian magicians are able to duplicate to a limited extent. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're able to show that they have the same kind of power that Moses is displaying, the first two. And then they get to the third plague, and that's the plague of gnats, and they're not able to replicate it. By the time they get to the sixth plague, which is the plague, I believe, of Sixes plagues plague of boils. I think I'm right in saying that. I know you have it memorized. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the six, mm-hmm. in the sixth plague, mm-hmm. the plague of boils, um, it says that they are so. The Egyptian magicians are so badly affected by that that they're not av- even able to come and stand before Moses. So you see that progression. They go from saying, "Oh, we can do the same kind of thing," to like being incapacitated. Exactly. And so, so again, it's God showing. I'm greater than you know Moses. My my servant is greater than these than these uh, magicians of Egypt of, of Egypt. So all that having been said, the first plague do you remember is is what then? Uh, I don't know. The Nile River turns turned blood. to blood, right? And so again, what happens is Pharaoh's going out in the morning to do his washings, and Moses goes out. God sends him there, and he uses the staff, the one that turned into serpents. It's interesting, it, and I think it's important. Every plague, it mentions what Moses does with his staff. In this one, he strikes the waters of the Nile. And I think where the, where the, this is my opinion, where the staff is directed shows us what it is that he is, the judgment that's coming on the gods of Egypt. So again, I said Nile was, was worshipped as a, as a god. And you can kind of see it. The floods is what allowed the life. It was mm-hmm. called, in fact, it was called sometimes the lifeblood of, uh, of Egypt because the floods is what allowed them to have the food and everything that they needed. But Moses, but God, I should say, by, you know, by God's power, Moses is able to strike the Nile and instead of giving life, it becomes something that causes death. Hmm. So the fish die, they stink, you know, it becomes, right. instead of the lifeblood of Egypt, it becomes a source of death. And so that's, again, God showing these these gods that you're relying on. If you're worshiping the Nile, then then you're worshiping a, a, the wrong god. You're, you're not understanding what's going on here. So that's the first plague. Um, I was going to talk about, I think, well, there was what the, there was the, the plague of the, um, of the frogs, uh, is in there. Uh, look at uh, Exodus chapter nine. Let's look at that plague. And I'm not going to necessarily talk about all these, but but what I'm going to basically show is I think that each of these is an attack upon one of the gods that the Egyptians uh, worshipped. Um, so go ahead and read verses one through seven there for me. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, and camels, and on your cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. 
Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. So there's this, you may see it behind me if you're watching on YouTube, but there's this this god that the Egyptians worshipped called the Apis Bull. And it was a ceremonial bull, usually a white bull that was born. There was always one there. It had this sun disc between its uh, between its horns, basically. And, and that bull was seen as the, as the god that protected the livestock. And so here's this idea that these livestock die, and, and probably the Apis Bull itself would be affected by this, right? It says all the Egyptian livestock die. Some people see this. There's an interesting thing here, too, we see with the plagues is the distinction that's made between um, the people of um, uh, the, the Israelites and the Egyptians. Right. This distinction, I always call a distinction of ownership. You know, all those livestock belonging to the Israelites did not die. And in fact, it says Pharaoh investigated this, and it says he found not a single one of the livestock died. Some people call this a double miracle. Not only is it the miracle of all of the Egyptian livestock dying, but none of the Israel. livestock the Israelites die. And so here's this here's this distinction. And, and that's another thing we're going to see with these plagues. There's a continuing distinction that's being made between God's people and between the Egyptians. So that's another example. Another one of the the plagues um, is this boils that I mentioned, and there was a God that they worshiped that was a God of healing. So here's here's God. Uh, and uh, and Moses, at that point, you might remember, throws uh, soot into the air. And, you know, again, it's 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 a way to demonstrate, um, you know, where these, this attack is going. And so the God that the Egyptians would have relied upon on healing, it says even Pharaoh's family was affected by this and these boils, these terrible boils, but none of the Israelites were affected in this in this particular instance. So you so you kind of see what we're beginning to to, mm-hmm. to have form here. Any thoughts on that or questions? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really um, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I don't know if we've ever thought about that before. Like, oh, did you know? Did God pull these plagues out of a hat? Um, <laughs> right. You know, what I mean, like, right. I've got five hundred plagues and I'm yeah. pulling out ten here. Um, and you know, and I think it makes more. You know, as I think about the number of plagues, like why yeah. so many plagues before right. God, you know, has Pharaoh let them go, or you know, before we got to the right. to the Passover, but kind of going, God's that Yahweh is tearing down yeah. some of these um, powerful images that might be even in the Hebrews' vision yeah. at that time as well. Well, and okay, let's, since we're talking about the Apis Bull, and you mentioned that, let me let me talk about that. So. You remember what happened, and you talked about you're going to go to Mount Sinai. Yeah. You remember ha- what happened when Moses went up on the mountain, not too long after the Israelites had experienced all of God's deliverance in this in this Exodus, right? They'd seen all these plagues and all of God's power, and yet Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God, and, and even even Mount Sinai talks about the you know the thunder and the lightning and the fire and all the things that they saw there, and, and while Moses was gone, they said. He's been gone a long time. So what did what did they? You remember what they did? I do. They they burnt. They melted down some gold and yeah. made themselves a golden calf. Went to Aaron, who's Moses's brother, and said, "Make for us." And so what he did is made it a golden calf. Where did they get this idea of of worshiping an idol? You know, he said, "Here are the gods, O Israel, who led you out of uh, Egypt." We saw this talked about this last week a little bit with Jeroboam. Same kind of thing. Golden calf. Where do you get this idea of idol worship? Well, they they were coming out of a polytheistic culture where there were these idols. And we still have examples of these statues that the Egyptians made to their gods, right? And they had all kinds of weird looking mm-hmm. uh, things. Uh, 
you know, you look at ancient aliens, of course, and they'll, they'll tell you what, uh, now, and then never mind, don't, don't do yes. that. But no, I mean, it, but that, I mean, we're going to see this when I go to Karnak, you know, we're going to see some of these. Right. The, the, the carvings and the, mm-hmm. and the worship that was done at that period of time, polytheistic, you know, all, basically all of the attributes of nature. So uh, another example is the, is the God uh, of, of the weather, right? Almost any culture that that's polytheistic has this weather God, like the later Poseidon and, mm-hmm. and this kind of thing. But you've got this thunderstorm that comes and, and uh, a hail. hail and, and that turns, turns to fire and destroys the crops. The, the other aspect of this that I sometimes will mention is all of the advantages that Joseph brought to Egypt are kind of systematically stripped away by these plagues too. There's an, mm. I always say there's an economic impact because it talks about the crops that they lose as a result of these things. Just think about the death of the livestock, all of the livestock, the Egyptians dying. Yeah, that's a, no one's having burgers for a while. <laughs> right. So it's going to have, an, you know, the, the, the way that Joseph saved Egypt in the past from this very difficult period of time now kind of comes back and it puts them in a very difficult uh, financial situation. And you've even mentioned there, and, and I'm anxious to see how this goes. There may be some examples of how we even see historically um, the effects of when Egypt lost suddenly all of these workers and and mm-hmm. had this you know severe economic downturn, this economic impact. There's some historians that have written about uh, people who who migrated out of Egypt that may be related to the story of the Exodus. And so, you know, it's an inter- interesting to to think about those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. the other plagues I was going to mention just quickly. So I mentioned hail and fire uh, healing, and then of course the ninth plague. Is is the plague? Do you remember that? Um, I yes. Um, the uh, <laughs> plague of darkness. Darkness, right? Okay. Now, for much of the period, much of this period of time, and especially if Ramses is the is the mm-hmm. correct, you know, the the one born Moses of born of Ra. Okay, and he was seen as the sun god, mm-hmm. the the one kind of an eagle sometimes or falcon that that carried the sun disk across the sky. Well, this darkness lasted. It says for three days. And it says it was a darkness that could be felt. Now, there's different people who try. There are some people, I'll say, who try to understand all these plagues from a naturalistic explanation. Well, mm-hmm. this a, a darkness that could be felt would be like a sandstorm or whatever. But it's possible. I don't know. But this darkness uh, is a separation again. It's a, it's a darkness for three days. The sun disk is put out, right? It, it, mm-hmm. the, this this chief god, this ray, this chief god that the Egyptians worshipped for that period of time was so, shown to be powerless compared to the eternal god, the creator god. And that's really where we're getting to this. That's the next to the last plague. And Pharaoh has one more chance to relent, but of course he, he doesn't. And that's something maybe we'll talk about another time. Pharaoh's heart will will soften, and then he, his heart hardens. And, you know, he'll he'll say for a period of time, "Oh, I'm going to let him go," and then he'll change his mind. There's this this constant thing, but it gets to the end where Pharaoh's heart is hard, and no matter what happens, it seems like he 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 um, uh, you know the one that really strikes me is the one we read there, where it says that he even sent to investigate. You know, he he sent down sent down people to say. Is it did this really happen the way that Moses said that it would? Mm-hmm. And, and even despite the evidence, 
he continues to harden his heart against the true God. And so, you know, that's that's another part of the, the whole story that we have here. But the next last plague, like I said, is this plague of darkness that seems to attack one of these very, very important gods. Of course, Pharaoh himself was seen by the people at various times to be a god, and the family right. was mm-hmm. set apart and seen to be, be special. And this last plague is the plague of the firstborn. And of course, you know, horrible thing here, the idea that the firstborn of all of Egypt, both men and also livestock, I should mention this because some people say, well, where'd the livestock come from? I thought they were all dead. But but this t- this took place over a period of time. We often, again, the way the movies sometimes depict it. It just happens one, it, like one day after One day after the other, you know, a couple of weeks going on here. But no, this is a pe- over a period of months. And the reason we can tell is the different crops that are mentioned, like the wheat crop and, and other crops and just the seasons. So so it seems to have been over a more extended period of time. But of course, it it ends on this on this spr- in the spring. Uh, at what we call Passover, uh, and that's this final plague. Now, I mentioned some of the distinctions. We have the distinction of ownership with the cattle. The darkness, it said, did not affect. I, I say there's a geographic um, distinction there. It didn't affect the land of Goshen, only the land of Egypt. So it didn't affect where the Israelites um uh, resided, but this final plague, the tenth plague, is, is a pretty interesting distinction because it depends upon—I call it a distinction of obedience, right? Because they were commanded to to do certain things: take a lamb, one without blemish. Um, you're to take this lamb and to eat it uh, all all together in one night. Uh, they weren't. Uh, you know, certain regulations about how it was to be done. They were to have their staff in their hands and their sandals on their feet. Ready to go. Ready to go. And that's kind of a symbolic of this idea. And this Passover becomes, become, becomes for the Israelites and later for the, for the Jewish people, this becomes a, a remembrance of this central act of redemption, I'm going to call it, from Egyptian slavery. I would say Exodus is the major act of redemption in the Old Testament. And I've pointed this out when we've talked about, the, especially the Gospel of John. We've seen the other Gospels right. as well. The connection between God's major act of redemption overall in Jesus, which takes place in connection with the Passover. You might remember Jesus takes elements of this Passover meal that they that they continue to remember. Year after year, they remember God's deliverance. And Jesus takes parts of that. And he says, this was pointing to me. He says, this bread is my body, and this cup, this cup of redemption that you drink is my blood, mm-hmm. which is now shed for you. And his John particularly puts his his death in connection with the, the killing of the lambs that were used. Um, you know, this idea of Jesus as the Passover lamb right. seems to be John's uh, connection he's making. And then uh, Paul specifically calls him our our Passover and says, we're celebrating this this." Redemption. So Exodus was a big deal for the Israelites, and, and like I said, the later later Jewish people, it became a huge deal for them uh, that this um, this salvation was was being offered to them. Yeah, there's a it, the Exodus is like the main thing that we just keep coming back to. You know what right. I mean? Like it's it's right. referred to over and over and over again, yep. um, and the importance of it um, in in the Jewish life because it was the, it was everything revolved around that. It was the central, like the establishment of God's people right at at that point. They're called out. You know, I was thinking about that when you're talking about Moses, like, you know, drawn out of, you know, and then God is using Moses to 
is draw you know that whole concept of drawing out you know he's mm-hmm. drawing out the Israelites as well through I, God's through yeah, God's I'll power. take you out of Egypt and and you know there's so many parallels and, and this would be a good thing for us to talk about a different time there's so many parallels between Jesus life and and Moses well the, the I was going to say the Israelites in terms of this you might remember Jesus goes down to Egypt and Matthew says this is to fulfill out of Egypt. I've called my son, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which happened with the Israelites and then, and then happened uh, with, with um, Jesus as well. One final thing I want to mention. So they, you know, after this happened, then they plundered Egypt. Egyptians at this point are like, you guys get after the death yeah, the of the ladies got born. to go to their next door neighbors and be like, yeah. Hey, oh, oh, and I forgot to mention this. I was, I was going there. I got sidetracked on the, on the lamb, but the, they, would put the blood on the doorposts, oh, and, right. and it's when you see the blood. That's so. It was obedience. It was those who obeyed, even if they were Egyptian. Now that's the interesting thing is 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 connected with this plague. We find those who had believed, even those among it says Pharaoh's officials, who believed in basically they'd seen enough. <laughs> you know, they'd seen mm-hmm. what God had done, and so they they obey in this. And and in uh, in chapter twelve, in verse, you know, I said they 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 are able to to take all these things, and it says uh, in verse, I believe thirty eight of chapter twelve, many other people went up with them when they left Egypt. So it's not only the Israelites, it's not only the descendants of of Jacob that go, but the Exodus. And you mentioned it, they become a people in this, and I think this is very interesting. Uh, because sometimes we have this kind of perception that God was only about Israel in the Old Testament, but it's clear that from the beginnings of this nation, there were other peoples who were part of it, even Egyptians who believed in in the Lord God, Yahweh God, and who went up with them from the land on this on this trip, on this travels. Um, so just an interesting it part. It wasn't even, ethnically exclusionary. No, it, I always say Israel, in the, even in the Old Testament, wasn't only people who who would have had Jacob's DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Not only those who were directly descended from Jacob, but there are others who were part of this community from the very beginning. Of course, we have other examples of that later. Rahab uh, is a good example of that. It becomes pretty central even to the to the kingly line right. uh, there, the, the tribe of Judah, um, because of uh, the, the man who takes her as a husband and, and other examples that we see along the way. But... Uh, my point is here, this is from the very beginnings because it's in this Exodus. When, when Joseph's family goes down into Egypt, there are 120 people. Uh, when, when Jacob and his, and, and Joseph and his brother, when they, when they go down, there's 120 people, extended family, big family, mm-hmm. right? Right. Not the kind of family you'd want to have over necessarily on, you know, for yeah. a weekend barbecue, it's but a, couple, a b- big, a fam- big, <laughs> big family. But when they leave, they're a nation. And really it's in this, in this act of Exodus, that they also are formed into this people, and that's of course when Moses goes on the law to re- goes on on the mountain to receive the law, and, and that forms them again into this people that God is going to going to work through and use in order to bring about His promises to the whole world. Yeah, I mean that was always one of my things. I was just having this conversation with someone recently about the Exodus, is mm-hmm. about you know how much of a nation identity did they yeah, have while right. they were in yeah. it, while they were in Egypt and we were having this conversation about this trip and where we're going it's just you know how far were they spread out you know what I mean right. like we don't have like all, no. all all the things but kind of going did they did they identify you know it's been 400 right. years since the sure. four 
patriarchs of the right. tribes who had, had had been there and going how much did they identify yeah. and how much did they identify as a unified group and uh what that means and we were you were talking about the map earlier and this yeah. is one of the things that we're going to talk about in in the the video i'm shooting that i'm coming back from right now <laughs> is you know you talked about the nile and just like yeah. we looked at the map yeah and we talked about you know you're gonna have the 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 pyramids would be would have been there at this time um, already yeah already that's, 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 something, been, that's yeah, something people don't understand and yeah. the pyramids have been there for a long, long time a long time yeah. um but you know the the israelites wake up in the shadow of this and they you know they, they'll go to sleep in this but like they're in this place you know they're drawn in there from famine they come to is to egypt um but kind of going the idea of all of them escaping is like yeah. you've either got this fertile land or you've got Desert. Desert. Yeah. And not that, you know, they would have known how to live, but kind of going sure. for this whole idea of it, all of them, yeah. of all of them picking up and moving is extraordinary. Right. And it was only, I think, you know, it could only have been an act of God yeah. that would have allowed them to, to right. move out. Exactly. But this isn't like a grand escape where they're nope. going to sneak out in the night. Nope. They're, and yeah, it's an act of God, this, the the dividing the Red Sea. And I mentioned the Feast of Passover. One of my favorite feasts is the Tabernacles, which I've, we've talked about in connection mm-hmm. with Gospel of John as well, who mentioned specifically there. But Tabernacles was a way that God told his people to remember the way he had provided for them in the wilderness, mm-hmm. uh, that you had food, you had shelter, you know, your, uh, your clothes didn't wear out. Even during that whole 40-year period of time, even after they were disobedient and they, they traveled for 40 years, when we get to the book of Deuteronomy, it specifically says your shoes did not, your, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell mm-hmm. <laughs> during that whole right. 40 years. That's like a pretty remarkable, you know, basically God, even in their disobedience and even in the punishment they received because of their failure to trust in him. And again, think about this. He'd led them through the Red Sea mm-hmm. and then they get to Canaan and, and they listen to these spies who say, oh, I don't know. I don't looks, think we can. looks pretty tough, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There, there's your way saying, get back out I, in the desert. I don't get it. You yeah. Know? But but here is you know here is this you know they failed failed to trust essentially they failed to trust God mm-hmm. and and so um, uh, you know this is punishment but even in their punishment God provides for them he, he, every day mm-hmm. they ate from man, they ate manna and uh, God provided water when they needed He provided even when they complained about having manna every day I'm tired tired of manna He provided for them uh, quail you know to eat mm-hmm. and so in all these things we see God's provision and it reminds us uh, in our wilderness times that God continues to provide continues mm-hmm. to be able to um, you know give us the things that we need in order to continue the journey so yeah and you know I think that's uh, you know that's the great lesson yeah. you know through all yeah. of that stuff and I, I that's that's what I'm excited about on this trip and sure. coming back from this trip is that we're gonna see again once you get off that Nile yeah it is it's desert yeah you know and, and it thinking we're going to be in four like land rovers moving right. around on this wow. stuff yeah. um but kind of going you're once you're out there you're yeah out there you're on your own yeah. you know and, and you think again what was we talked about solomon last week right you know like oh, how do you get there how do yeah. you make those choices but kind of going seeing yourself out in yeah. that sun and you see pharaoh's chariots and yep. you know them coming behind you and you see a sea it's like kind of going you have to rely yeah. uh, rely on god and that were, were there not enough graves in egypt moses you brought us out here in the desert to die, you yeah. know, die and, of 
thirst and yeah, die of yeah. you know no, there's there was food and there was water for us there so, at least we were enslaved but what a, you know what an incredible way that god revealed and that that's what he says he says not only there's two or three things that we see in scripture i mentioned this idea of the the battle and that's what i really emphasized today the battle between the the gods of the egyptians and and moses and basically or i should say the true god god showing his superiority over over these gods of egypt um so so that's that's a part of it but then god also says to moses i am going to reveal who i am basically i'm going to show my people who i am and later he also says i'm going to show the nations who i am and it's interesting because that's what we see later even 40 years later when they're entering the land of canaan the other people are remembering oh we know we we know what god did for you down in egypt we know what Mm -hmm. your god did for you down there and uh, you know it's 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 a way that God revealed His power. And like I said, there are some who believed, even who were not descended from Jacob. They became obedient to the Lord. They become followers of Yahweh. Uh, you know, as a result of seeing these plagues. And the same with us. You know, we see about the way God provided through Jesus and the way that He has given us. Um, you know, He's become our Passover Lamb, as again as as uh, Paul says, and uh, He He has provided redemption for us also yeah. and and it's a great reminder throughout the old testament and the, even in the new testament yeah. and for us today like this callback it wasn't just for the people that lived through it yeah. it was part of the dna of, yep. of the people of remember every and year and this exodus you know what i mean yeah. like remember yeah. i your god brought you out of egypt yeah like, i just don't forget this just it happens to me. I preached uh, last sermon uh, last sunday a sermon or yeah a couple days ago yesterday <laughs> When will then be now? (laughs) A sermon about remembering. And 15 times in the book of Deuteronomy, which is Deuteronomy's Moses, you mentioned Mount Nebo, Moses' final sermon to his, to his people to his mm-hmm. you know those those who he's led for these these 40 years mm-hmm. uh led out of egypt uh his message for them 15 times he uses this command remember mm-hmm. and usually it's in reference to what god did for you there remember that we too were slaves in egypt but god has led us uh god delivered us from and egypt. this is a new generation too. exactly <laughs> so exactly. it's like remember. they wouldn't have lived through all right. of that but remember remember right. what has happened to the people right. beforehand and that's why i think that feast was given to them uh, it was it was to remember, and you know, here's the interesting thing: Jesus, uh, on the night that he, we say institute the Lord's Supper, but he really took the elements of the Passover and applied them to himself. He says, "The reason you're to do this is to remember, to remember me." And you know, as often as you eat this bread, as often as you drink this cup, remember me. Um, you know, I grew up, and I I can remember um, in the church, and I've seen this in other churches as well. The com- communion table up front. The, oh yeah, the, this, this do in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me is usually what's engraved on the front of those, and just again a reminder uh, of the importance of remembering. And interesting, I've said this before. Um, God gives us these um, multi sensory. Um, acts right, food and and you know the smell, the taste, the texture, all of those things, in order to help us in our memory. You know, it helps it helps us remember. Um, and, and here it reminds, reminds us of the saving act of what God has done in Jesus. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thanks so much. Yeah. Well, welcome back. I hope you had a good flight. <laughs> oh, and, uh, I'm sure it was wonderful. I hope the gears are down and the, and yes. the seat tables. Uh, so the what is it? The seat tables are up and and your seat Seats belts are on full upright I don't position. Know. Yeah, I, I can't even say Brian and Brian, Brian's Bible. Be no, so you correctly. can't. <laughs>
No, you can't. Well, Brian, thanks so much. Yeah, uh, and and a reminder that uh, this is we got lots of other episodes. If you like this one, go back and listen yes. to some of the others. And uh, remember to share if you think this is an interesting episode. If it was helpful yeah. to you, share it with somebody. Share. And and if you are enjoying the podcast, yes. join us. Join. Us and this journey. Uh, you can support us by going to Patreon or yeah. you can just go to our website, thebiblebistro.com. Yeah. And up at the top, there is a button that says support the bistro, and you can right. uh, sign up to financially support us. And if you support us for, depending on the level you choose, we have several different levels on there, depending on how much you'd like to support us. You can get uh, a sticker, you know, to put on oh, your lap. Oh, there's a sticker. Yeah, a sticker. There's a sticker, yeah. A coffee mug, which everybody wants and oh, also yeah. a t-shirt so mm -hmm. you can support your favorite podcast you know, when you're out running or oh when you're listening you should just put that t-shirt on when you're listening and kind of get you in the bible bistro mood you can put on the music our our, our dun, music dun, 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 dun. Oh, is that wow. how it goes very close very close <laughs> anyway thanks so much brian right. i appreciate it and we'll uh i'll we'll chat next tuesday see you next time see ya. bye